Thank you for listening to the Identity House Ministries podcast. We hope you are encouraged and empowered by this week's teaching from Matt and Savannah Ball. Okay, so we're going. Um, we're going, yeah. So, who remembers what uh, this past week's memory verse was that we like sent out to everybody? Does anybody remember? We, to be fair, two weeks ago. Two weeks. Two weeks ago. Psalm. <laughs> Psalm one one, Psalm one one, um, Psalm one one through three. Uh, I just want to like. I think so. We didn't. I don't think it was on. We're still learning. Follow the Facebook. It'll go on there. We didn't do a good job of telling people what it was. We'll do better next time. I don't know about Ruth. I will get Annie to do that. Tight. Anyways, we attempted to have a scripture memory verse out to everybody like two weeks ago, which was Psalm 1, 1 through, Psalm 1, 1 through 3. Um, and so this is kind of kind of like lay the groundwork for what we're going to talk about tonight, sort of. So Psalm 1, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's a good word. It's a good word. That's a good word. (laughs) So tonight we are starting a series on the the fruit of the Spirit, uh, which is going to be really good. And... uh, one of the reasons that we wanted to talk about it is, well, I don't know if this is the reason we wanted to talk about it, but this is the reason I personally am excited to talk about it is because of, well, this, this scripture verse right here in verse 3, it says, He shall be planted, he shall be like a tree planted by rivers of waters that bringeth forth, forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Guys, that is like the ideal description of what life can be like, Right? Of what life rooted in Christ can be like. That right there. If your life is the tree, your tree is is planted by a river of water that just gives you nutrients and brings you all of the good stuff that you need to grow and flourish and blossom and bring forth amazing fruit in due season season and your leaf does not wither. That's amazing. And so in talking about the fruits of the Spirit, we just kind of wanted to, uh, or at least I want to tonight, um, just kind of give an overview of the first three fruits of the spirit as like uh just an introduction to like hey this is what the outcome of being firmly planted and rooted in christ looks like in terms of the outpouring of our life does that make sense so uh we'll get into it and it's gonna be really good but we're gonna we're talking tonight about the fruit the fruit that our tree bears what's up yeah i know i'm gonna pray yeah i'm gonna pray so I just wanted to get that out there and so that you guys have like a taste of what we're going to dive into tonight. Tonight we're talking about the first three fruits, which are love, joy, and peace. Um, and just a little disclaimer, because uh, because we have such a short time to go over three massive topics at once, this is going to be like a very condensed crash course. Like <laughs> we're not going to be getting like the full sermon on love, the full sermon on joy, the full sermon on peace. This is just to get you guys minds like working yeah. you know give you a taste of, of, of things so that you guys can go back and dive into these topics deeper so that you can get excited about what life 
can and is can be and is like when we are firmly rooted in Christ and the Spirit like is manifesting through us untendered. So it's it's gonna be really cool. So let's pray and we'll jump into it. Uh, Dad, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you so so much for uh, just the awesome opportunity to be here together as family. Um, it's awesome to worship together and to just uh, come before you and praise your name and glorify you and lift your name to to, to the place that it is worthy to be. Um, I just pray that tonight as we uh, dive into your word, that you would have all of our hearts and all of our ears open to what you have uh, to what you would have said, Father. Um, that your truth would ring clear, and that it would be it would be bold, and that. Um, the enemy would not be able to distract or to confuse or to to diminish this message that is that is the truth of your word, Father. So we love you so much. We dedicate uh, all of our purposes tonight to you. Uh, we love you. We honor you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, uh, fruits of the Spirit. We're doing love, joy, peace tonight. If you want to turn to Galatians chapter 5, that's where the... The fruit of the spirit passages, and we'll just kind of read that so that you know what we're pulling from, and then we'll jump in. So, um, somebody want to read verses uh, 22 through 26 of Galatians 5? Right, quick. Monica says you would. Monica, heck yeah. But I'm finding it. Gentiles eat pork chops. I'm so sorry. Galatians 5. 5, 22-26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against there is no law. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Yep, thank you, Monica. So, um, those are the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. These are, uh, these fruits are the outward expression of the state of our heart. Okay, these are, these are the things people see when they encounter you on the street and when you interact with them. That's what, that's what fruit is all about. That's how you know a tree, right? Jesus uh, said multiple times uh, in the Gospels, you shall know a tree by its fruits. And so how do you know what kind of tree that is? Oh, I know that's an apple tree because it's got apples on it. That's, what, that's all it is, simple. We don't have to like over-spiritualize the concept or anything like that. It's, it's really simple. Oh, what kind of, what kind of person is, is Savannah? Oh, well, she's, she is a godly young woman because I see in her exemplified love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's, that is who she is. I can tell what, what the source of, I can tell what the source of her life is, where it comes from, right? I can, I can see what type of river she's planted by because her fruit is good. It's, it's full. It's ripe. It's like, it's, it's, you know, it is the fullness of what it's supposed to be. Um, which is awesome. Uh, so, so that's what the fruit of the Spirit is. It's, it's like the outward expression of where our hearts are in relation to God. Um, so uh, if you guys want to jump real quick to Matthew chapter 12, 
this is just like a short little intro, and then we're going to talk about each of the each of these three of the first fruits um, individually. So Matthew chapter twelve, verses thirty-three through thirty-five. So this is Jesus speaking. Samantha, could you read that for me? I shall. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. For the tree is known by its fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of the heart brings forth good things. But an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. Yeah. So this is the same concept, guys. Uh, ultimately, the the display of the fruits of the Spirit in our life, the display of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit through us. I know that that's like that sounds really like spiritual and stuff, but the the good stuff that comes out of our life, right? The good stuff that people see in us is ultimately the display of uh, the fruits of the Spirit that can be traced back to the state of our hearts. Like, where's your heart at? Where's your heart at? I see, I see that this person is just exuding love in everything that they do. Their heart's in a good spot. It, it, you can trace it back to like the root. You, as Jesus said in that passage, you cannot have good fruit coming from a bad tree. You can't have uh, bad fruit coming from a good tree. That's just how it works. And so like what we want to encourage you guys in tonight, just talking about these three fruits, is like let's get the tree that is our life rooted in the right things so that we can exude these awesome characteristics that represent God. Yeah. That's that's like as simple as I can say it, so I hope that makes sense. I have a simpler version. Even simpler, please. You gotta nourish to flourish. Yeah. <laughs> you have to nice. nourish to flourish. Well, God, Even who does so nourish right fruit? The yeah. vine. <laughs> we know, one, one thing, I want to say something real quick. Yeah. Is that the fertilizer, which people a lot of time use the word as fertilizer, yeah, and it can't be the fertilizer because the fertilizer does will not produce the fruit. Right. It, it may help to nourish the fruit, but it will not produce the fruit. Sure. It's got to be produced within us. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. All right. So uh, let's see. Um, so we can take a look at our lives and the way that we actively operate in the world. Um, and just, just look at that, and that's generally going to be a fairly accurate indicator of the extent to which our hearts are rooted in God. Like, so, as you guys leave here tonight after we're done, just like, kind of, just take a look. Hey, do I exude love in absolutely everything that I do, in every interaction that I have with everybody? I definitely don't. <laughs> I definitely don't. So it's like, all that means is, all that means is pursue God more. Me pursue God more. Get to know God better. Make my life more firmly rooted in His Word and what He says. And so that's what the fruit of the Spirit's all about. So um, let's see here. I got a little note here. Actively choosing to practice the fruit of the Spirit as the way we operate in the world every day establishes our character and aligns us with God's heart and His desires and prepares us to act as well-trained ambassadors for the kingdom. Can you read that one more time? Yep. Actively choosing to practice the fruit of the Spirit as the way we operate in the world 
establishes our character and aligns us with God's heart and his desires. And it prepares us to act as well-trained ambassadors for the kingdom. Spanner wrote that. It's very good. Great job, babe. Great job. Great job. So yeah, ultimately, uh, when Jesus says, you will know a tree by its fruits, Jesus wants good trees walking around to be his ambassadors. Not that trees walk around because they're firmly rooted, but, you know, true. Ants. Ants. Nice. Nice. So, so if we're, if we're, like, there's, there's, there's so much evidence in scripture that Jesus talks about, like, they will know you by how you love one another. They'll know, they'll know that you are mine by the way you love one another. That's what the fruit of the Spirit's all about. It's about people looking at us and seeing Christ. That's what it's all about. People looking at us and seeing that tree is rooted in something good. I want whatever that soil is that they have. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. So, with all that being said, that was just kind of like a quick little intro. But we're going to jump into the first three fruits of the Spirit. Next week, we'll do the following three, and the following week, we'll do the last three. Um, so Savannah and I were assigned love, joy, and peace. Love. Love. So Savannah, Savannah took the love part, and so I'm going to turn it over to her because Yay. she has some amazing insights Very that she good. wants to share. Um, can someone turn to John 15 for me, please? Verses 4 through 14, so it's a little bit hefty, but it's good. Yeah, I totally called love um, because God and I have been talking about it pretty much every day for a good while. And there's so much to learn about it. And I think we can sometimes oversimplify it or cheapen it by just saying, oh, I, I feel love toward you or I am. I just love you. I just love pizza or I just love this. Like we throw it around, but it's been really good. I do love pizza. Um, but we throw it around with that fully considering the weight of it and what it is and so it's been a really wonderful journey with God kind of retraining the way that I think about love and his definition of it so I think this passage really helps set the stage for walking into this fruit as well as some of the other ones that Matt and I are going to talk about so Corinne can you read for me please it's uh, verses 4 through 14 yeah. All right. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bear much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them in the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, you will ask what you desire, and that it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and their joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Thank you. So with love as our first example, 
of the fruit of the Spirit, we can see how bearing this fruit in our lives results from abiding and being grafted in as the branch of Christ. That is where our lifeblood flows from. That is so important because we, a lot of the times, and I myself, a lot of time, try to do it by myself, on my own, without actually getting full, without actually grafting in, and just go on my own, and then it's never never good as an end result. I've burned out. I haven't done it properly. I misrepresented myself and God and other people. It's messy. But this is so good because not only when you abide in the branch first, you also start seeing the fruits pop up naturally, which is what I love. They happen naturally as a result of daily cultivation in your abiding with the vine. It's very important. So it's a direct result of that grafting. Love is a direct result of that pursuit, of that practice. And this means that we are making him our only source for life, for peace, for joy, for love, for wisdom. Everything is him at the source. Because only one voice makes it a lot easier to follow. Because you don't get so confused by conflicting opinions, conflicting thoughts. So Abiding in him brings you clarity and peace and wisdom and contentment and boldness because you know the source, the one. That was a rabbit trail, but that's okay. Moving on to love specifically. So the most used version and definition of love is agape love. We know that word. It's from the Greek definition um, 25 and 26. And the main um, definition of that is love, affection, benevolence, and a love feast. I like that. So agape is the one you kind of see the most of. That's the word that's used in the fruits of the spirit passage. Yeah. So that's the true fruit. Agape love is fruit, which is wonderful. And um, my, after like kind of studying it out, my personal kind of definition of biblical agape love that you see and that you read about and that you hear is it is choosing to love to the most extreme amount choosing to act first without expecting anything else in return it's selfless that is what i've kind of seen and studied and it revealed but there's also a very helpful exhaustive definition of <laughs> biblical agape love and it's found in first corinthians 13 yep. so we are going to turn there because we can't not so can someone turn to first corinthians 13 and read verses four through seven for me thank you emma and just to preface this so um chuck missler actually calls this section of scripture the 14 ingredients of agape love because what i had found um, is I'd heard only these verses at weddings. And so I yeah. just like had cheapened it. Yeah. Not in a, Weddings are great. Love is great. But that was the only context I really had for it. Oh, this is the wedding chapter. This is the wedding section. But I want you guys to really like set aside that prejudice or that per- preconceived idea and really think of it as that agape love. That is the, I will do anything for you. I will, cons- like, I will chase after you. This is God's form of agape love. This is not just marriage. It goes beyond this. Yeah. 
Yes, four through seven. Love suffers long and is and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. It is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Thank you, Emma. Guys, all of that describes one word, love. There's so much in it than just, I love Matt. So when I'm operating under agape love, I mean all of these things. There's also these 14 different ways that you can show love. It's very creative. So I love that these ingredients are given to us for cooking something nice. Yeah. That's really corny. I'm sorry. Um, I like food. Amen. And what I love is that God doesn't just say, okay, choose love. Like, choose to be love. But here's 14 examples of how. Yeah. Not just one. Let me give you 14. And this also describes God's character. So if you don't know who he is, read that scripture. Memorize it. Then you'll know. It also has our character in it because we, through our abiding, become love, exude love. So then, all right, God, I don't know who I am. All right, Savannah is long-suffering. Savannah is kind. Savannah doesn't envy. Savannah doesn't boast. Savannah is pleased when other people do well. Like, you can make it personal because it's who you are. You are created to love. This is who you are. And so I've actually been memorizing this section of scripture and it's been so good because I'm just taking it word by word and God's like, here's how I can show you love today. Here's how you can show other people love today. And it is that true agape love, which means so much more. It goes beyond feelings. So kind of through my personal study, God's given me a few like pointers or bullet point points for myself to remember about how to properly love uh, specifically other people a lot. So I'm just going to read. I'm not calling anybody out. These are things God and I are talking about. So you guys, this is like Savannah's notebook. <laughs> um, so what he has helped me change the way I think about agape love. Love does not focus on what you should or could change about a person in order to love them better. <laughs> that one's hard. Love does not wait around for other people to give you what you want and desire. If you want a hug, go give it. Go give one. But a lot of times we sit, can't believe nobody's come up and hugged me today. They must not love me. Boo-hoo. Love does not make people into projects. Love does not have conditions. You have to be X, Y, and Z, or I've given you X, Y, and Z. Where's, where's my retribution? Where's my, my, my turn? And this is the one that kind of got me the most, is love always considers another's eternal well-being above its current earthly state. 
and that example is John 3.16. I'm going to turn there and read it because it was crazy. So I, I know John 3.16 is another one of those very well-known passages that we, we read over a lot. But I think it's good to not skip over it because it's familiar. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So what I see here is that God saw my earthly state that I was not saved. I was not his. I was lost. I was tormented. And so he saw that he could change my eternal well-being. And so he gave up his only son that he could not replace. His only son. So that not only would I not perish, but I would have eternal life. This challenged me because how many times could my temporary discomfort maybe bring eternal satisfaction and well-being to someone else? That challenged me to no end. But you know what's even cooler about this? is God did not expect anything else in return from me. He had no guarantee that I would choose him. But he did it anyway. But he did it anyway. That's amazing. That challenges me. True agape love has nothing to do with feelings. It really doesn't. But the primary focus of the concept of agape love is action-based. I am going to love you, the action of love. I'm not going to feel love for you. I'm going to actively, aggressively love you. What you'll find is by doing that, by acting out the concept of love towards people, you will begin to feel it. Mm -hmm. So it's not a a feeling that leads to an action, which is the way that our our world and our culture portrays love. It's the other way around. It's, it's an action that leads to a feeling, a, a heart feeling of compassion and care for one another. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's, it's a thing you do. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, Henry Wright talks a lot about loving people. And one thing he talked about when he was talking about specifically agape love is agape love is being persistent in choosing to like everyone. That you predetermine that you are going to like someone because it is who you are to love. I And it doesn't matter how they treat you back. And that challenges me so much because I can be like, well, I have nothing in common with them. I just don't like them. Whatever. But that's like the aggressively choosing to decide to like people. I'm not going to cop out because I don't feel it. Mm-hmm. I like that sentence too because it, it specifically uses the term like mm-hmm. because people use that silly statement of like, I love them but I don't like them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like it's as a cop out. Mm-hmm. I don't like that so much. Yeah. yeah. The concept of agape doesn't allow for that. No. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. No. Yeah. It's so also good practice when you become a parent. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet. Really good practice because as young people, that's going to, the meaning 
is going to have much more depth to you when you have children. It's not that you have to have children. Don't don't misunderstand me. But like I had children, that changed. Yeah. That that love can no longer be something, or was no longer for me something I practice. I was I was pushed off. The end of the fear in the deep water. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go. Anybody wow. here that is a new and young parent, you're you're getting a taste of that. And as they age and change, according to the the the, the ingredients of agape love, you start finding out that it's surreal. Yes. It's it's greatly rewarding. Because you don't know whether you're going to like your children. Okay? I grew up thinking my father didn't like me. Okay? That's how I felt as a kid. I knew he loved me, but I didn't think he liked me. Kind of in reference to what he said. They do go together. These agape uh, uh, definitions are going to so blow your mind when you have children. Because it's it's like all of a sudden you're you're gonna go oh for like twenty years. Each. It's powerful stuff that you're dabbling into now. Yeah. And it is big. It is really big. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for that. That's awesome. Thanks, Bob. So at the end of me studying these chapters, studying these verses, and just like talking to God about love and Him challenging me on my idea, my definitions of it, He asked me two questions Are you actively pursuing the action of love for those all around you? And when someone interacts with you, can they tell that you are operating with agape love towards them? Those are the two questions He asked me. And I couldn't say all the time. I couldn't say, yes, absolutely. And so he said, it's okay. Where can you grow? And he showed me in a very specific way that the way that I had been loving people was based off of, I'm trying to think about the best way to phrase this, babe. It was, I am going to love you, and I'm going to love you so well, but I am waiting for you to respond and tell me how well I loved you. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for you to tell other people how well I loved you. Yeah. I'm waiting for that personal gratification of hearing, well done, you did good. Mm-hmm. And that challenged me when I read these 14 ingredients, because love is not puffed up. Puffed up. Love does not boast of itself. And true agape love means doing everything for that person and loving them without having any expectation of return gratification. Mm-hmm. I don't need to hear someone say, good job, Savannah. Right. Because when I change the way that I'm actually loving people, it's just me aligning with God's heart and I know that he is excited and we are doing well. Mm-hmm. So that's just a personal journey of mine that I'm recognizing that I want to love really well, but I'm going to release myself from expecting other people to glorify the way that I love them. Mm-hmm. 
Because I can love well. But I don't need to hear other people tell me how well I love. <laughs> or not tell me. Because sometimes that happens when you're like, all right, I gave you everything, and then crickets, and you're like, well, I'm never going to love them again until they show gratefulness. They're just ungrateful. I did X, Y, and Z. It's gross. So that's just love. Please spend time thinking about it, dwelling on these ingredients, and seeing how God's agape love can transform you. And I give it to joy. Is that enough love? The time being. I know I could go on, so I gotta. Yeah, that was super yeah, weird. Yeah, this is this is kind of a weird format because we're breaking it up into like the the different fruits. Because you could do a whole teaching on love, like you could do a whole series of teachings. I could on keep love. going. I know you could. I know you could. But like we said at the beginning, this is just to like get you guys thinking about these things, so you can see like, wow, that is something that I can actually exude all the time, and people can see that as one of as one of like the things that I am recognized by like that that's just a loving God. Yeah. And and it's so powerful. So with that said, let's just let's move on to joy. And I'm gonna boogie through this so that we can He gave me more time. He was very sweet. He built it into the teaching. (laughs) Well an argument could be made that love is the most important of the fruits. It is. Um it is first in the list, and there's kind of a scriptural precedent that the first thing in every list is usually the most important in scripture. Uh, but also, love is the only one of the fruits of the Spirit that is used as a definition for God. God is love. Yeah. The scripture doesn't say that about any of the other fruits. It doesn't say God is peace, God is joy. You know, there, there are uh, phrases that say the God of peace, stuff like that. But love is the only one that actually defines God. And so what, what, what we're going to find as we go through this study is all of these fruits of the Spirit actually build off of one another. Yeah. And so love being the foundation uh, is going to lead us into joy, which is going to lead us into peace and, and stuff like that. So. I was going through the fruit of the spirit in my head as, yeah. as, as she was as we was reading these passages. Yeah. And you see pretty much every fruit of the spirit in this definition in yes. Corinthians. Yes. Yeah. You do. You really do. You really do. It's like so, a sandwich. Yeah. So <laughs> so like that that's kind of that's kind of the key. Love love really is the key to the whole thing because love once you, once you get the concept of love, you get the heart of God. That's right. And that's once you get the heart of God, you are able to like flow in all of these other attributes comes more naturally. It, the rest of it comes so naturally. So um, let's just let's just sandwich. move on. What's, what's it? The bread for the sandwich. That's, yeah, it's the bread for the sandwich. It's it's the foundation. All right, let's move on to joy. Um, just to get you guys thinking about joy. Who wants more joy in their life? Yeah, heck yeah. Absolutely. Always. All right, so joy as defined in the Strong's Concordance. This is the Greek word uh, that's used in this passage. Kara. Um, so that, that's the Greek word. But the actual definition of it is cheerfulness, gladness, or my favorite, calm delight. Yes. <laughs> that would be your favorite. Oh. <laughs> calm delight. Um, I'm talking. Yeah. Calm delight is so, that's, that's such a nice thing. Like, people often think of joy as being like, you know, overflowing, exuberant, bubbly, you know, all those types of adjectives and stuff. But in reality, the joy that is as defined from scripture in the original Greek language is a calm delight. Mm. That is, man, that is what I want to be. 
I want to be just calm and delighted with every, you know, with every day. That's that's such a nice, awesome thing. So, um, where does joy come from? What is the root of this fruit? So let's let's turn back to. We're so full of yeah. fun today. Oh yeah. Uh, go back to John 15, right quick. John 15. We started. We kind of started here, but I just want to reread over a section of this um, because. This literally tells us like how we can have more joy in our life, how we can achieve more calm delight. So in verses 8 through 11, I'm just, I'll just read it so we can get through here quick. Um, starting verse 8, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have spoken these things to you that your joy may remain in you, and that your joy, my joy. My joy might remain in you. My joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. So so this is really cool because like we said before love is the foundation he's talking about abiding in love and then he says I'm telling you all of this stuff about abiding in love so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full what does that mean the gifts build off one of each other the the gifts build off of one another so um, the true joy that we walk in as believers comes directly from us abiding in the love of Christ Okay, uh, joy, as defined, the experience of calm delight in our lives, is rooted in the assurance that we have of God's love towards us. How do you have calm delight in your life? Know that you know that you know, be 100% fully assured, God loves me, yeah. Yeah. no matter what. That's how you have calm delight. That's how you be the chillest dude on the planet. <laughs> I know that I know that I know. Coming that from. God loves me no matter what. <laughs> there, there, if you know that, there is nothing that can come up against you in life that can steal your calm delight, that can steal your joy, if you know that. That's the root of that fruit. That is so awesome. Um, verse 11, that, that verse 11, that when Jesus is saying that your joy may be full. His aim here is to give his disciples assurance that they can count on God's love towards them. They can count on it. He's like, this is why I'm telling you all this stuff about about abiding in love. Because you can count on it. You can. Um, uh, There's, so some other words that, oh, oh, here we go. That your joy may be full. The word full in the Greek is the idea of completeness. That there is no empty space, right? Like a glass is full to the brim. There's no empty space left in it. And so if if I am rooted firmly in the love of Christ and I understand, I know that I know that I know that I know that He loves me, there's I'm I'm full to the brim with calm delight and there is nothing lacking in that area of my life. That's such a good place to be. And there are so many people in this world that are so tormented and depressed and 
their life looks like everything but calm delight. It seriously does. Um, and it's because they do not have an understanding that God loves them more than anything. That's where that fruit of the Spirit comes from, is the assurance. So, um, I just, I felt like I had to share this scripture. What I, I truly believe from, from just reading through all this stuff, the ultimate source of our joy, the ultimate source of the calm delight in our lives is exemplified in Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 35 through 39. Can somebody read that for me? I know you all know this scripture. It's like three people said that. Everybody likes this one. Who's going? Who's there? I'm already there. All right, read it, Cam. Okay. 35 through 39? Yes, sir. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, no height, no depth, nor any created other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen to that. I know, it's like probably one of the best passages of Scripture. So I am persuaded. I am persuaded. That's, that word right there is what it's all about. I am persuaded. I am persuaded. And that just means that, like I said before, I know that I know that I know. I am persuaded. That's what that means. And so I love this verse because it's, it's literally saying, there is not a single thing in this entire world that can separate us from the love of God. What is happening? Sorry, there was a big roach that was on my. Oh, oh get it. You can't kill it. It's really just death. No, kill it. You can't even kill it. Sorry, Matt. No, so you're good. No roaches were harmed in the making of this podcast. Yeah, they were. He just put it in the toilet. Oh, that's true. <laughs> one roach was drowned in the making of this podcast. Oh, my goodness. Just edit that part. We are now PG-13. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, because that's why we make it is for the money. That's right. Yeah. 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 All, right. all right. All right. All right. All right. So. <laughs> that was scary. No. <laughs> all right. So. There's not a thing in this world that can separate us from the love of Christ. Not, not even roaches. Yeah. <laughs> not even roaches. Praise God. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. So. The other thing I love about this. And I love about this is, is what he's saying kind of in the in the beginning of this section of scripture that, that we read. 
Um, in verse 35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. So there's, there's this really important aspect of joy is that uh, joy is not circumstantial yeah. at all. It doesn't waver. It does not waver. It is an underlying state of being that shows through in how we relate to the world around us. And so, like, no life circumstance that can possibly come up, that you could possibly encounter, can steal your joy once you've got this assurance that God loves you. That's amazing. Because, like, you know, what does joy say? Joy says... You know, when things don't go my way, no big deal. God loves me anyway. When the entire world, my entire world, my entire life is crashing down around me, when I've lost my job, when, you know, just the worst, the worst things that you can imagine, deaths in the family, like, you know what? (laughs) Burnt dinner. (laughs) Burnt the dinner. No big deal. I can remain calm and I can be delighted in the fact that God still loves me. I'm still here, and the worst thing that can happen is that I die, and I am instantly in His presence. I have that assurance. I have that assurance. the worst thing can happen. That sounds like a perk there. That sounds like a perk at the burnt dinner. Yeah, you die. So you die. But seriously, seriously, yeah. That like think about it. That's the worst thing that can happen to you. You die, and you are instantly in the presence of your Father. Because you have that assurance that you have your salvation because He loved you so much. Because he loved you so much, you have access to that. And so that's what that's what joy is all about. It's not about, you know, it's not about like having a, a circumstantial happiness. It's about being firmly rooted in the knowledge that Christ loves you no matter what. And so nothing can get to you. You are calm, you are in a state of delight always. Because life will give you burnt dinners. It and will. Roaches. It will. Together. It will. It one hundred percent will. Real topics that have come up tonight. Yep. Life is going to give you those. Yeah. Absolutely. That will. Joy is essential <laughs> to keep you from wanting and missing the attaboys that you brought up. You're going to. You're going to. You're going. You're craving something. You're craving that confidence. Mm-hmm. And without that confidence, nothing else will satisfy. Yeah. I've done it all. It's very temporary. Mm. Yeah. So, yes, please share. Um, one thing that's helped me with retraining my mind with what joy actually is, is the idea that happiness disguises itself as joy. Yeah. Happiness comes from the surface hoping to seep into your being. Joy comes from your being and oozes out of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so much more, like, rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess this is kind of the last thing that I want to share about joy. Um, There's a lot of people talk about mental health these days, which is rightly so. Like, we definitely have, like, some mental health crises in this country and stuff. Um, But ultimately, all of those issues can be traced back to this one thing that people do not have any assurance in their life that they are loved right. by God. Yeah. 
if they were to only know that, they would be able to experience that calm delight that stands through any storm. Mm-hmm. So that it's so important. It's so powerful. Um, so one more scripture I want to share, and then we'll move we'll move on to peace. Uh, this this other scripture, Hebrews chapter ten. Are you guys tracking with us so yeah. far? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 32 through 35. I will read it. This kind of just says more of the same, but I just loved it and thought I would share it. So Hebrews 10, 32 through 35. It says, Remember the former days after you were enlightened in which you endured a great struggle of afflictions. So this is the writer of Hebrews talking to uh, these believers talking about after they first like became part of the church and stuff and they they uh, went through the all these struggles in part you were made a spectacle both by reproaches and afflictions and in part you became companions of those who were so abused for you had compassion on me and my chains and joyfully endured the confiscation of your property knowing that you have in heaven a better and an enduring possession for yourselves. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which will be greatly rewarded. And so, whoever the writers of the Hebrews is, some people think it's Paul. Nobody's really sure. He's saying, guys, I recognize you went, you went through some rough stuff. You had your property confiscated. You were abused. You went through all of these struggles. And yet, because you had assurance of your eternity, you still stood through it with confidence that everything was going to be okay. That's what joy is about. Being in a state of calm delight when the worst of the worst happens. And you know what the great part about life is? Not every not every day is the worst of the worst, thank God. Like there's a lot of good days. There's so yeah. many good days. There's I mean there, and there's plenty of bad ones mixed in too. But the underlying state of being that we get to tap into is a state of calm delight because we know that we know that we know that it doesn't matter what happens. God loves us. Mm-hmm. We have assurance of our salvation in him. So that's joy. That's joy. Let's move on to peace. And I'm going to make this real quick. Are you talking uh, about peace too? Huh? Are you going to talk about peace too? I just said that. No, what? I mean you, not me. Oh, yeah, I yeah. am. She's going to share too. I interject. Yeah, she's going to interject. Huh? <laughs> Plot twist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a funny exchange. <laughs> I enjoyed the pink part of it. Matt had full joy. Yeah. Okay. So, so peace, peace. In the passage of the fruits of the spirit is this Greek word, Irene. Or something like that. I don't know. Uh, the word is... Def- well, it comes from the root word, which means to join, which is interesting. Um, but by implication, what it means is prosperity, quietness, rest, or to be set at one again. That's my favorite one. That's, yeah, that's my favorite one. The, the concept of peace means to be set at one again. It's an idea of like wholeness. That you are not divided, <laughs> that you are solid in all aspects. And because you are solid, you are at peace, or whatever you understand that word to mean, which is really, really cool. Um, so there's actually this, this really cool uh, little description of the word peace that I found 
in the Blue Letter Bible in the, uh, the Thayer's Greek Lexicon, if you guys ever used that. It's really cool. Um, it just kind of gives a bunch of, like, scriptural, uh, scriptural evidence for, like, um, certain ideas that, that surround some of these words in scriptures. If that makes sense, I probably didn't describe that well, but you'll you'll get it, you'll get it when um, when I when I share this. So um, let me scroll down here. So peace, there's there's this the concept of peace in scripture can be described this way: um, the tranquil state of a soul, assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot. Of whatsoever sort that is, that's pretty nice. cool. That's pretty cool. I read it again. <laughs> Those of you didn't get it. The tranquil state of a soul. That's good. That sounds nice. I want my soul to be tranquil. Your soul is your thoughts, right? Yeah. There's a lot of people that are tormented in their thoughts a lot of the time, me included. But for your thought life to be tranquil, that is an amazing thing. That's that's something to be to be sought after. Um, but the, so it's the tranquil state of a, a soul. Why? Assured of its salvation through Christ. And so fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is. So you guys can kind of see that this builds off of what we were just talking about with joy. It's a state of contentment. Peace is a, a state of being completely assured of salvation. And so because I am assured of salvation, because I am assured of the fact that God loves me, that he has made provision for me to, to be his child, that I get to be at peace. I get to be content with whatever my lot in this world is. Yep. I get to be whole. I get to be set at one. That's so, so awesome. And that's not even about your circumstances. No. Circumstances. That is, <laughs> that is like your spirit, your soul, and your body. Right exuding that tranquility right then nothing's yeah. changed circumstantially right. yeah. but because of that contentment because of that assurance you can rest and experience that quiet right then and there which is so amazing and it's so god because yep. he doesn't need to change the circumstance to change your perspective yeah right so a lot of times in christian circles you'll hear people like pray for God to give them more peace that's not a scriptural concept really he says my peace I leave with you is what he said he left it it. you have it it is available to you and so uh, the way to to walk into that state of peace is get sure of who God is and who he is to you Get certain. That is the way that you achieve that peace. That is the way that you achieve that oneness and that wholeness with yourself. Believe what he says. That's how you achieve peace in your life. You don't have to pray and ask him for more. He doesn't have any more to give because he left the whole thing. He yeah. left the whole so the Here's whole the thing. cake. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm leaving you the whole cake. I didn't hold anything back. You've got all the peace you need. All you have to do is believe what I tell you. Believe what I say. Trust in my promises. Mm -hmm. Trust in the fact that I say I love you and I didn't lie about it. (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. That's what having peace is all about. Um, So Romans, oh man. Romans 15, 13. 
is a cool scripture about this. Let me turn there real quick. Uh, Romans 15, 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. How are we filled with joy and hope? In believing. So, by our believing in God and what He says, and that His word is true, we are filled with the joy and hope that He has for us. Romans what? Uh, 15, 13. 15, 13. So, peace comes in response to what you believe about God and what you believe about your standing in relationship to Him. Mm-hmm. That is how you get to experience uh, wholeness and oneness with yourself and other people. So, really, really important. Um, yep. Peace, just like joy, is rooted in the assurance we have in our salvation. Um, Can you say the last part? It says, peace comes from God. Exactly. Peace comes from uh, so peace comes in response to uh-huh. us believing okay. in what God that what God says is true okay. yeah so it, it's all about the assurance that we have in and of ourselves about what God says about us um, so and there's there's another really important thing peace is the opposite of confusion and double-mindedness mm-hmm. Thank you. That peace is the exact opposite of that. They do not cohabitate. Right. <laughs> One leaves and the other comes. Right. Yeah. Cannot have both. Right. Okay. You you can't be confused about something and in peace about it at the same time. There yeah. there those two things are mutually exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> you can't be double minded about what oh what decision should I make and, and have be, assurance and have assurance and be at peace. <laughs> those things are opposites. They're mutually exclusive. The word says in 1 Corinthians 14 that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I just want to challenge you guys. Man, if you're double-minded about stuff, if, you're, if there's any confusion that you're experiencing in your life, it, it's going to feel like it's unrelated because our decisions that we make on a day-to-day basis are really specific and like, you know, we have all these like really specific problems and life has nuance and all of this stuff. But when it comes down to it, get more <coughs> rooted in Christ. Get more rooted in Christ and you will find peace in whatever that area of your life is. You will. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what, uh, what decision you make when you are rooted firmly in Him. You're just going to know what you have to do. You're going to be led. He's going to bring you through whatever obstacles you've got. Something God tells me, especially in the throes of double-mindedness, because it's like you're screwed if you make one ant's like decision, and then if you make that one, then it's not the right one. Yeah, those, you go back and forth. Those catch-22s. Uh-huh. It's the carousel of torment. That's what it is. Um, no joke. But something that he tells me jokingly is there's no wrong answer. I can work with both. <laughs> especially like obviously if it's the answer like between like a sin issue and whatever there is a wrong answer and right answer but most of the time 
what to make for dinner or like <laughs> what job do I have or yeah. all these things. Yeah, like they do not have much value or weight behind them. So are you saying that like making a bad decision and not making a decision at all because you can't make a you can't decide what's right and wrong or just equally is not good. I would say because if the state of you is left in shambles yeah. no matter what. Yeah. Well it's the lukewarm mm-hmm. thing of God. He doesn't want you to be nothing. Yeah. yeah. He he he, know, he he knows you are something. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the virus that defeats everything you're talking about is when you as a Christian think you have to measure up. Yeah. You do not have to measure up to anything because you are everything to God. Yeah. You're everything. Everybody. Exactly. You're you're you you're conquered when you think you have to do something to have that assurance. Yep. Yeah. That's how simple it is. It's that belief that you have the assurance yeah. that it has been given to you. Yeah. Everybody. And and that's what defeats us is we don't believe it. Yeah. We don't believe we're loved that much. Yeah. Just simple I'm just don't believe it. Yeah. yeah. And it's 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 a it's worse than a computer virus. <laughs> it's Absolutely. true. Yeah. Man, you're absolutely right. Did you wanna share I that, that to share. yeah, do your thing? Um so I have a testimony about this peace and specific that that God is not the author of confusion but of peace and so there was um, a couple months back there was just certain it was just like there was a whole mess of confusion that I was having to unravel and the people in charge were just so is that work but I can't go into details but it was just confusion after confusion after confusion and I was getting looked at like why aren't you listening why don't you get in it and I was like I literally have no idea what I'm supposed to be doing and I go in and the answer changes and I go in and the answer changes and so it was just like I was in torment and there was confusion and that's all I was given and I had to figure out a solution and so God showed me this verse and he said hey you know I'm not the author of confusion but I am of peace do you trust me to take confusion that you are presented with and unravel it for you and then tell you what to do I can translate for you because I might not author it but I sure as heck know how to translate it mm-hmm. for your good yeah and so I started practicing receiving the confusion and then I took a second and said okay God what does this mean what do I do and he said all right start here one step at a time and so he this is like when you take his word and you say okay I have assurance that you will be my author of peace. That you want me to be at peace. You want me to not be confused because I just don't get it. And he's like, I got you. Here's me acting out my word, ask. And he showed up and so I learned when I don't wait for him to translate it for me is when I get myself in trouble. <laughs> Cause I'm like, oh, I've got to unravel it. Oh, I've got to figure it out. Oh, I've got to jump in and I can't wait. Yeah, but he's like, if you just wait like three seconds, and don't try to solve it yourself, I'll tell you exactly what you need to do, and it will unravel yeah. immediately. Or he's even be like, someone will say something, and God will be like, this is what they meant. Yeah. 
and be like, wonderful, that makes much more sense. Yeah. <laughs> or even if they said something that wasn't nice, it's like, this is what they meant. This is what they tried to say. You know, delivery yeah. can be weird. Yeah. That's my testimony. Yeah, no, that's awesome. The whole, the whole point of, like, seeking after peace is seeking after a state of, like, rest for every day consistent rest for every day (laughs) that you're not coming home at the end of every day just completely worn out you know it's all right to be tired at the end of the day because yo we work hard we work hard you know it's okay to be tired physically and and mentally but we're not ever supposed to be tired spiritually because we have access to fountains of living water that never run dry right like our spirits are able to be at peace and tranquility at all times if we are firmly rooted and grounded in our assurance of like who we are in Christ yeah yeah so that's really good um, the last scripture I wanted to share is just Romans 14 17 the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost that's what the kingdom is all about that's what the kingdom is all about and you could certainly fit love in there because love certainly falls under the category of righteousness yeah. so like <clears throat> When we're when we're seeking after um, the the way that we should be living and operating in the world, what we ultimately need to orient ourselves towards is is focusing and meditating on what God says, who He is, yeah. and how we relate to Him. That's all. That's what it's all about. So, guys, if if you want to like experience more uh, more joy in your life more calm delight everybody wants that everybody wants more calm delight in their life consistently what, consistently, consistently what we're see, what we need to seek after to get that is just be uh, be sure find a way to be certain that you know that you know that you know that God loves you and what that does is that paves the way for the Holy Spirit to just come alive in you and to show to show through because not not understanding and, and not knowing that, that you're loved by God is what is one of the things that's going to hinder the Holy Spirit from working in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Once you open that door to him and say, I believe what God says about me, then that opens a door to the Holy Spirit to say Yes. Now let's let's start let's start moving forward. Let's start, you know, showing this fruit and experiencing these good, awesome, wholesome things that I have for you to experience in life. But it all starts in that that vine analogy. Having me as a branch grafted in to that vine. Yeah. Christ being the source, the word being the, the living water that flows that, that I'm pulling from. Thank you for listening to this message on the Identity House Ministries podcast. If you are interested in finding out more about our ministry, you can find us on Facebook by going to facebook.com slash Identity House. We pray that today's teaching brings you in closer relationship with God the Father and empowers you to walk in your God-given identity.